The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM. This is the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, hosted by founder Sarah Coates, a licensed clinical mental health counselor. In this podcast, Sarah and her team of therapists will dive deep into many topics on mental health care. Here's your host, Sarah Coates. Hello, and welcome to the Turning Your Life Around podcast. And I'm super excited about our episode today. I'm joined by Jill Barnett, licensed clinical social worker out of our Apex 180 office, and joined by her daughter, Kaylee, who is a sophomore in high school. Welcome. Welcome to both of you. Thank you so much. Kaylee, I'm really excited that that you took a few minutes out of your busy day to join us. And today we're going to talk about teenagers and mental health and how mental health affects teenagers. You clearly are a teenager, so you're right in the thick of it. And definitely you're an expert on teenagers. Kaylee, why don't you just take a minute and share with the audience why you're so passionate about mental health for teenagers? Yeah, thank you. So I'm definitely happy to, you know, share my perspective today. I'm definitely extremely passionate about mental health, especially mental health in teens and how it affects teens. I think that I've seen in a lot of my peers that there is such a stigma around mental health. I mean, everywhere you look, different people are telling you how you should feel, what you should wear, who you should be. And I think that there's so many expectations put on teens on a daily basis. And I think when somebody wants to bring up the idea of oh, I'm sad, or I think, you know, maybe I have some anxiety about this. I think a lot of my peers get told, "Mm, maybe you should just go pray about it, or maybe you should just go outside more. Maybe it's all because you're on your phone too much. And I think that that's such a lie that a lot of teens are told. And I think we need to break the stigma around mental health or going to therapy, you know, finding coping strategies that work for you. And there's, there should not be shame around mental health because we're all dealing with it, especially in a pandemic. And I think that I'm privileged enough to have such a supportive family who supports having access to care and finding coping strategies and different things that work for me. So I think that I'm passionate on taking, you know, that love and that acceptance that my family has for me and helping share and tell other teens about it. That is so cool. Well, first of all, one of the things that you said at the beginning that really resonates with me is, and and your mom could probably elaborate on this, is we are very passionate at 180 about squashing the stigma around seeking mental health treatment. And, you know, we all believe, all of us therapists at 180 believe that we are not just physical beings, but we're spiritual beings and mental health is part of your physical and spiritual being. You know, everybody has mental health, just like they have physical health and we have to take care of both parts and teenagers, children and younger are included in that. So we all have to be on the lookout for our mental health as well as our physical health. And I say all the time, just like we take our kiddos, and I'm sure you remember when you were little, Kaylee, going to well checks at your pediatrician. I yeah. so wish that we had some sort of progressive development where we were taking toddlers and young people to mental health well checks and checking in on their mental health as they're growing, just like we check in on our physical health. But maybe the USA isn't there yet. Maybe that'll come <laughs> along in your generation, Kaylee. You could be on the forefront of that, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, certainly teenagers and taking care of 
teenage mental health is super important. And, you know, I know just talking with a lot of adolescents these days, the pandemic has wreaked havoc on our teenagers and their mental health. Have you been affected by that, Kaylee, by the pandemic? Can you speak to that for a minute? I definitely think so. I think that something that really hits home for me is just the feeling of not being in control anymore. And there's just so much unknown, especially in the early parts of the pandemic. We still don't know how long it's going to last, but especially when we had no idea, you know, what COVID-19 was, how are we going to deal with this? We've never done this before. And I think my generation especially has never seen anything close to this. People like my grandparents in the boomer generation, you know, maybe they remember like other outbreaks, like my Nana was telling me about remembering parts of the polio outbreak when she was little, but that was cleared up by the time she was my age. So I think that overall, this is the first time we've seen anything like this in our generation. And I think just the feeling of being kind of helpless has definitely, you know, set in among most teens. I think online school is so hard and so draining and new. And I think that Not only have we kind of lost our resources educationally, you know, we've lost them with our friends. People can't just easily go out and socialize. There's masks, there's mandates, there's all these different things we've never had to worry about before. And I think that overall, like, it's just kind of heavy. I think there's kind of a weight being pressed onto us. And I think it's not like the world has stopped for us. We have to still try to get into college. We're trying to get our good grades in the midst of all of this and trying to stay afloat. And I think that it's ridiculously hard, but that's another reason why we need to break this stigma is because everyone's being affected by this and it's silly to pretend like we're not. I agree. It's silly to pretend that we're not affected and that every human on the planet right now is affected and especially in our circles, right? in America and locally here, you know, you just mentioned these extra pressures, like there's still pressure and maybe now even added pressure on teenagers, especially rising juniors and seniors who might be looking into community college or four-year college after graduating. And they're still expected to meet all these certain criteria, Mm -hmm. except they're also carrying the heaviness of a pandemic at the same time. So that's a huge pressure. I can only imagine how that feels. What other kinds of pressures do you think teenagers are under that might affect their mental health? Well, I think that at the core of every teen is the need to be loved. It's the core of every person, the need for belonging, the need for affiliation, the need for love. And I think that you just want to fit in so badly, but there's also this push in our society to stand out. So it's this teenage balance of wanting to be different, but also just wanting to be loved and needing to fit into a cookie cutter mold of what society tells you need to be, but also just being different enough that you're not like everyone else. And it's so hard to find that balance. And what I've learned is you're never going to make everybody happy and it's never going to be enough. And I think that even if I know that, like, it doesn't mean it's not hard. And I think that finding your identity is such a huge thing, whether it's gender identity, sexuality, different things that make you, you, your academics, your athletics, your passions, your arts. I think all of it is so stressful. And I think there's just so much pressure around being perfect or at least appearing perfect because social media is such a big part of our generation. There's a lot of positives. I think it's how I've connected with a lot of people throughout the pandemic. 
So I do think there's a lot of positive effects, but obviously we all know that there are so many negatives as well. And I think that the constant comparison of your life and does my life look as good as someone else's life? Because we just keep letting people in to this perfect image of ourselves that we want everyone else to see. And I think that just adds to this stigma that we have that, no, I'm perfect. Like, this is everything about me. This is my identity and it's flawless. And nobody wants to talk about, you know, the nitty gritty. Nobody wants to talk about what happens behind the Instagram post. And I think that that's another thing we need to work on just as a generation. I say all the time, well, for one, I'm super thankful there wasn't social media when I was growing up and your mom can probably attest to the same. Um, (laughs) Jill, aren't you so glad there aren't pictures from our freshman, sophomore years of high school or, you know, all the nuts of things I'm sure we did back then is not captured forever in the internet. Right. Right. I always tell people, you know, especially my middle schoolers, I'm like, no one ever reflects on middle school and says, you know, those were the best years of my life. (laughs) for sure. And they have it all captured. So scary and fortunate at the same time that it's, it's one of these things, like there's two sides of the coin to the social media conglomerate, Mm -hmm. but you know, also one thing that I see all the time with adolescents is they can't get away from social media or they can't get away from, let's just say mean girls at school. So if you, if you have an encounter with somebody at school and it's really bad and it's mean and whatever, and then you get home and it just continues through social media all night long. And my heart goes out to kids these days, because when I was a teenager, the junk might've happened at school. But when I came home, it was over. Like I was escaped. I was able to escape from that. And teenagers these days, obviously they stay connected to whatever the issue is. 24 seven, there's not a chance to unplug from it. Kaylee, do you find that happens in your world and teenage world? Yeah, I mean, 100%. I think that everything is on social media. So something happens at school, everybody knows about it. Something happens in general, and everybody knows about it. Everybody has an opinion on things. I think whether it's interpersonal, there's a fight, there's text being posted on Snapchat, or videos of somebody's opinions. Everything's so political right now. And I think teens are getting involved in politics, which I think is important. I think as teens, we should be informed. But I think that there are so many different opinions. And I think that politics are plastered all over social media. And it's, if you have differing opinions with somebody, you can't get away from that either. So you might have a fight with somebody at school and you might already be upset with somebody or somebody said something rubbed you the wrong way. And then they're posting on social media, furthering, you know, their side. And it just takes the like intimacy of a relationship and shatters it. And it just completely shines a light that you never wanted there on all of your personal details and it's very violating but I think we kind of do it to ourselves as a generation and we say that it's okay to kind of expose ourselves and expose others and I think that there's few things in our lives anymore that are just for us and I think that that's really hard as a team. Yeah I think social media has also given people other ways to be unkind. Somebody leaving you on open or delivered like a whole nother set um of ways to hurt one another. I mean, certainly we would love for you to use it to encourage one another as well. And I think you do, but I do think there's that element that really does cause pain. Absolutely. I mean, it 
makes me think of going back to what Kaylee was saying earlier. Yes, all teenagers, and I think all humans intrinsically, want to belong. We want to feel connected to one another. And social media in this really distorted way separates people so fiercely. And our goal is to connect. And yet here we are isolating based on opinions and politics and beliefs and values and all that stuff in an effort to belong to another group that believes and thinks like we do, except all it does is continue to isolate (laughs) us. It's just this really vicious cycle. Kaylee, how do you navigate that kind of social media pressure if you feel like I think what you were saying is you agree you can't get away sometimes. So how do you unplug, disconnect? How are you able to navigate that? Well, I think that it's so important to take a break every once in a while. And I think that the idea of rest and having time for yourself to focus on who you are and who you want to be is once again so stigmatized because I think that when adults or just people of other generations look at teens, they see rest as laziness or sluggishness or just not wanting to do anything and selfishness. And I think that sometimes taking time for yourself isn't selfishness, it's self-care. And I think that those are two very different things, but I think that they kind of get blended together wrongfully a lot of times. Just taking a break once again, we're so used to exposing ourselves, like you don't need to post it. And I think that that's such a hard thing even for me to do. Like, okay, Snapchat is too political or people are being mean. Okay, like I don't have to be on it and I can just stop. And I also don't need, you don't need to make a big deal. You don't need to announce that you're not going to be on a platform. And I think that that's something that people do a lot. And I think it's very unnecessary because that's for you. If you're going to go take time for you, go take time for you. Other people don't need to know about that. And I think we're so used to letting people in and it's just another way of letting people in. So I think that just taking a break is okay. Rest is rest and it's necessary and it's not laziness, it's self-care. I love that. I think you're totally right. And as you were saying it, I was just reflecting. I've probably done that with my own children is like, quit laying around on the couch, go do something. But you know, I like to lay around on the couch sometimes and take some downtime. Why would I not allow my children to do the same thing? They're humans. They need to recharge, recuperate, just like adults do. So very wise, Kaylee, in what you're saying, that teenagers need self-care too. You're exactly right. Why do teenagers, and maybe you can answer this question, why do you think teenagers feel the need then to put on social media blasts? I'm leaving Snapchat or I'm not doing this anymore. What what do you think drives that? I think it's because everybody's already so in your business, for lack of better words. Like everybody has already let people in, you know, they're on your private story or they're on Some people have Finstas on Instagram, you know, like they're let into some of the most intimate parts of you because we post it and that's what's normal. It doesn't feel weird to post the most intimate details of your life because that's what everyone else is doing. It makes you feel like you belong. And honestly, I feel like sometimes that can be amazing because I think that my generation is one of the first to kind of expose behind the scenes. Like I'm not doing okay today or posting pictures of, you know, a mental breakdown, like I'm not all right. Or also reaching out a helping hand, like, Hey, like if I've struggled with this and this and this, if you ever need to talk to somebody, I'm your person. 
So I think that sometimes it can be great too, but I think the reason that people find the need to, you know, announce to others is because it's just the normal. Like everyone's so used to announcing everything. So if I'm not going to respond to everybody, everyone's going to notice. Everyone notices everything because we're so used to connecting. It's constant communication and that can be great. But if I'm not going to respond to somebody because I'm not on Snapchat or Instagram, like everyone's going to notice. So I think that we're so used to announcing everything in our lives. We announce not announcing things anymore, (laughs) which sounds like a paradox, but it's exactly how it is. It is. That's true. And to speak to that a little bit, and Kaylee and I have talked a lot about this is because they are sharing so many personal details. Sometimes what we need to learn is that are people worthy of really hearing this story Mm. of really seeing this part of my life? And obviously as a therapist, I'm always encouraging people to be open and to share, but also really having some good boundaries to say, you know, are people really worthy of hearing this story? And by that, I mean, are they, do they really care? Are they going to contribute to my healing? So we talk a lot about that too, because there is a balance of what we're sharing in our lives, not just on social media, but with the people in our life as well. Yeah, that's so good. It makes me think of my favorite therapeutic skill, which is boundaries. (laughs) Yes. You know, it's like having these boundaries around what you're sharing and whom you're sharing with, because you're right. Not everybody that hears your personal intimate details cares. They could use that very thing against you tomorrow at school or next week at this or that party. And yeah, I think it's really super important for teenagers to have boundaries with who they're sharing their secrets or their intimate stuff with. Jill, you probably speak about boundaries a lot in your own therapy work. Absolutely. I think It doesn't matter how old you are. (laughs) We all need to establish boundaries Mm -hmm. in our life with family members, friends, certainly in our careers. A lot of us struggle with balancing and having good synergy in our work life. So I think a lot of times, many of our conversations when we're developing like a list of positive coping strategies involve establishing boundaries, that it's really a form of self-care. It's communicating what you're willing to do or what you're willing to accept. Kaylee, you've worked a lot on boundaries and are still working on that. Do you have examples that might be helpful? I think my best example is probably something I've worked on has been flipping what is under my control. I think a lot of times we try to put boundaries and we think about them as putting them on other people. When really my mom was saying it's self-care. We need to put a boundary for ourselves Mm -hmm. and on ourselves. So it's not well, I don't want people to say things behind my back. I don't want them to talk about me behind my back. It's not that because you can't control if somebody is going to be a good friend to you or not. But you can say, I am not going to let other people treat me like that and then continue to keep them in my life. So I'm only going to keep people in my life who don't talk about me behind my back, who are supportive and loving and kind and faithful friends as opposed to trying to control people because you're never going to be able to control people. But you can control yourself and you can control who you let into your life. And I think that a lot of times as teens, we forget that we can because Mm -hmm. everybody is kind of forced down our throats on social Mm -hmm. media and you feel like you need to let everybody in, but you don't. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's choosing who deserves to be in your life. And it's 
making boundaries for yourself because that is self-care. A lot of times we'll talk about who can you unfollow today? Because sometimes we don't even know the people that we're following, but we're allowing their thoughts and feelings and emotions into our life. That's something too that, that we definitely try to practice. And I try to practice it myself too, you know, making sure the things that I'm seeing are filling me up instead of maybe even creating more anxiety or questioning I don't know, my thoughts or or feelings, even as a parent. I think that a big thing that I've seen, at least especially over quarantine, was TikTok at the beginning was so full and still can be, but it's so full of things that really hurt body image and we're promoting unhealthy lifestyles and eventually disordered eating, compulsive exercise disorder, you know, like different things like that. That's not okay. And I think that those are other things that we're drinking that in, we're taking that in as I'm scrolling through TikTok, as I'm looking at other people on Instagram. And I think that setting a boundary is saying, you know, not interested, unfollowing people saying, this isn't filling me up. It's okay to unfollow people. And I think we also have the stigma of like, well, I don't want to be mean. It's like, no, you taking care of yourself is not hurting other people. It's helping you. And I think that sometimes it's okay to set that boundary and say, no, I'm not interested in that. At the end of the day, if that's what is going to help you, it's worth it. And we talk a lot about how we're not responsible for someone else's reaction or response to us setting boundaries because they're probably benefiting from it in some way that maybe we haven't set boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so that's really important. And as a parent, I have a younger teen as well. I think we start with thicker boundaries. I used a lot of screen time early on to teach the kids, you need to put your phone down at this time so that you can focus on rest or not spending as much time. As a parent, I think it's important as we're teaching boundaries, certainly with social media, to put those boundaries in place for them and to explain why we're doing that. And then in the last year, I've taken screen time off Kaylee's phone. And she came to me a few months ago and she said, will you put screen time around these two apps for me? (laughs) So I'm like, of course, (laughs) I'm happy to do that for you. Well, that's a valid point, actually. Sometimes we might need others to help us place boundaries. Yeah. So that's what it sounds like Kaylee did when she reached out to you to help her put a boundary around that, that app or that screen time on that app. Yeah, I think it's important to involve other people, not just in boundaries, but I think it's also like accountability. And I think that as a team, Time is really precious. We're pulled every which way and everything is trying to take a little bit of our time. And there's some things that we deserve to put time towards and some things that don't deserve our time, our energy, our effort, our love. And I think that we just need to focus on what deserves my time. Those apps on my phone, they don't deserve my time. I'm not going to give it to them because that's me caring about myself and knowing that I'm worth more and my time is worth more than spending it here where I could be doing other things that better me and better other people. Well, I can already tell Kaylee that you are wise beyond your years and you are a super mom who has obviously helped you navigate your own mental health Mm -hmm. through your teenage years. I know you sent me a list or you have a list of some positive coping strategies that maybe yourself have used or your mom recommends for her own clients. Would you mind sharing those with the audience? Yeah, so I'll talk about a couple and let my mom take over as the expert here. (laughs) 
one of my favorite is like learning to identify and stop thinking errors. Um, I think that a lot of the time, especially as somebody who has a big imagination, a very fast paced moving mind in a fast paced moving world, <laughs> I think that it's very easy to spiral and to make up stories in your head. And I think sometimes it's like, what's the evidence, you know, what story have I made for myself and what is actually happening? And I think that Sometimes it can be easier said than done, but thinking like, well, okay, I don't think that person likes me. Well, have they ever come up to me and told me that they don't like me? Have I ever heard them say it? No. Maybe they made a rude comment. Well, maybe they were having a bad day. Maybe they just didn't like what I had to say. Like, that doesn't mean that they don't like me. So I think that's just an example of working back through like what is true. And I think that's something that my mom has definitely helped me with. And I know that's a coping strategy she really likes. And then another thing is finding your happy place. And I would say finding your outlet is so crucial for teens. The problem for especially teens is that all of our passions seem to be like there's so many expectations because your passion is seen as an opportunity as a career. So it's like, oh, you love art? Great. You're going to be an incredible artist. Go take this AP art class. And all of a sudden, it's not fun anymore. Oh, you love reading? Great. You're going to be amazing at AP literature. <laughs> and you're thrown into this class or this lifestyle that you aren't happy with. And suddenly your outlet becomes a chore. And I think that it's okay to be in an AP music theory class and then still enjoy composition. But the thing is, I think you need to separate the two and you always need to have one place where there's no performance, no expectations. It's just for you. And that's okay. It, that's enough. And I think that teens, we're always performing. And I think that it's okay to just have one thing, whether you're, you like to write stories or you journal or you write songs or you write music and all these different things, like as long as it's just for you and you have one space where nobody's grading you and nobody's judging you and there's no expectation, but it's just you and that's your outlet and you don't have to share it. You don't have to expose it to everyone else. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to expose it like we do every single day <laughs> for you and that's enough. That's good. Thank you for sharing those things. Yeah, that's my favorite. So I talk a lot with my clients about making a list of coping strategies that are preventative. So things that they're doing for themselves on a daily basis. One of the core foundations I think of our physical and mental health is good sleep. And obviously having good nutrition is important too. And in the last year for teens, the food insecurity has gone from like 13% up to 30%. For some people, self-care is really accessing good food, finding a place to sleep that's quiet, teaching themselves a sleep routine so that they can go to sleep, focusing on what is going to prevent the anxiety or depression and things that people are doing on a daily basis for self-care. So kind of the foundation also, just spending time with people who are on your team as parents and certainly as a therapist, I'm talking to people like, well, who is in your life? Who is your support system? Who is, you know, knows you and loves you unconditionally for who you are? And I think as a parent, it's really important for us to bring people into our child's life or allow them the freedom to share with other people, whether it's making sure they're getting connected to a good therapist. I know that there can be a lot of stigma around that as a parent. Some cultures, some religions 
are not open to having their child speak to somebody else without mm. being present. And so I've tried to look at it as it's an extension of myself. It's an extension of my parenting to allow Kaylee to talk to somebody else about what's going on and to have that objective perspective, because certainly I'm very emotionally connected to Kaylee. And so I can't always be objective and that's hard on her and hard on our relationship. So as a way to prevent making sure that we're spending time with people who are for us. Another thing that I use with my clients, both as a preventative resource and as kind of an intervention, meaning like when they're feeling down or when they're feeling anxious, is we practice different breathing exercises. We talk about different types of meditations. We talk about different grounding exercises and we practice them. And not every exercise is gonna work for each client. And so we're kind of like, okay, here's, here's some options. What works for you? And then they'll come back to the next session and say, well, that one didn't work, but this one did. Okay, well, let's focus on on this breathing exercise and when to utilize it. So I think that's been very helpful to people. And I like what Kaylee said about finding your happy place. Maybe that's resting, like Kaylee mentioned earlier. Maybe it's just a cup of coffee. Some people will have goals for themselves and they might have something out there for themselves. It's just for them that they want to buy or they want to experience. that brings them joy. Those are awesome, awesome coping skills suggestions. There's a lot more out there, but coping skills in a nutshell are things that are adaptive, meaning they're serving you well. If you're going to a coping skill and it's making you or causing your eating to become disordered, maybe that's not a healthy coping skill because it's maladaptive. It's not serving you well. So yeah, I agree. There's tons and tons (laughs) of things we can do that become coping skills and can be healthy and adaptive and healthy. Certainly teenagers finding a good therapist that they can connect with and learn more strategies and have a safe space to just to talk things out. I say all the time, you know, I think it's hugely important for parents and maybe I'm a little biased here, but especially moms of daughters to be able to identify a trusted adult in your life that your daughter can talk to. And maybe it's not a therapist. Maybe it's just a family member or a close friend that you trust for that person, for your daughter to have a relationship with, to talk about things that they're not going to talk about their to their moms about, you know, there's lots of things that daughters maybe feel uncomfortable talking to moms about. So, or to the caregiver that is raising them. So overall, great suggestions, great discussion, Kaylee. I applaud you for being wise. (laughs) I think that you sound like you're super wise. And well, as we wrap up, the episode for today. Kaylee, you got any final thoughts you might want to share with the audience, be it a teenager or even the parent or caregiver of a teenager? I would say whether you are a teenager, whether you're 13 or 85, (laughs) it is okay to not be okay. (laughs) And I know that that sounds ridiculous and that sounds so cliche, but it really is. And I think that every day just learning to break the stigma around asking for help or setting boundaries for yourself. I think that we need to incorporate all these things on a daily basis. It's okay to talk to someone. I would say to parents of teens or guardians, just because your teenager maybe is not doing the best right now, it doesn't mean it's always your fault. And just because you are reaching out to someone else who is going to help talk to your child, it doesn't mean that you failed as a parent or 
you need to bring in reinforcements because you weren't good enough. It's not mm-hmm. that at all. I think my mom was saying, you know, it's just, it's an extension of your parenting and your love and your guidance to have an objective opinion and have somebody who might know a little more in the field of mental health. They aren't going to know your child as well as you, but they're going to know, you know, coping strategies, different things that, you know, you aren't an expert on and that's okay. And I think that overall teens, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay for everyone to not be okay. And parents, it's okay to let your teens not be okay too. And that's not always your fault. I love that. Well, you've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast. And I've been chatting today with Jill Barnett and her daughter, Kaylee. And if you are a parent or a teenager seeking out some mental health treatment, you can find wonderful therapist at 180 counseling you can go to our website 1-80counseling.com and if you like what you've heard today or you like what you've been hearing on our podcast be sure to leave us a five-star review we sure appreciate it and we just love getting this information out to our listeners in the triangle area and beyond thanks so much ladies have a great rest of your day thank you too thank you You've been listening to the Turning Your Life Around podcast, presented by 180 Counseling, with five triangle locations to serve you. Learn more at 1-80counseling.com. This has been an exclusive presentation of News Radio 680 WPTF and 98.5 FM, a Curtis Media Group station.